0: Welcome to the Make It Seem Great Again podcast. You're with your sale community connector host, Corey and Joanne. Joe, how are you
1: I am great, Corey. I'm great. It was a rainy day today, but I was in the office all day, so I'm actually thankful that I have an office job on days like that. So,
0: look, it was a bit off and on today. The weather, like it was, it was wet when I walked outside. It sort of brightened up, and then anyway, well,
1: literally, I was in an office all day, so it started with rain. I'm just pretending, but the whole day was like that. (laughs) So you didn't miss out
0: on anything. Yeah, fair enough. Didn't miss out. Yeah. Joe, would you like to introduce our very special guest that we have with us this evening?
1: I most certainly will. We have been begging Kim McMaster to <laughs> come on our podcast for a very long time. Corey and I have known Kim. Corey probably knows Kim a lot better than I do, but Kim is a wonderful business owner in our community. She is Um, She participates in our community 110%. We were just talking about that just before. So Kim's business in town is Gippsland Mortgage Solutions, I personally have had um, wonderful interactions with Kim. (laughs) And, um, yeah, she'll talk about that in a few minutes. And Kim has a beautiful family. I used to work with, which I'm very sad about, by the way, and I am going to talk about that later, Um, Kim's (laughs) husband, Brett, who's an amazing teacher. He was at Longford Primary School with me. And she's got two beautiful boys, her beautiful children as well, who have had the pleasure of meeting. Kim's also involved in our local community with the cricket club and the footy club and probably a lot more that we're about to find out. So I'm just going to hand it over to Corey and I can take the lead.
0: How are you, Kim?
1: I am so well, you
2: guys. And I know it's been a long time that we've been talking about me coming on board and having a chat. So thanks very much for having me. And I do apologise that it's taking me um, some time to get to you both. No,
0: thank you. We appreciate you making the time. I understand you're very busy and being a business owner can be, you know, extremely busy because there's, you've got to do everything you got to do a lot a lot
2: we do don't we so lots of juggling being a business owner a wife a mum, a member of the community but we just try and fit it all in and do what we can
0: yes it's good it's good so t- so tell us a bit about yourself tell us tell us a bit about your family uh your business What what does your business do hit us up mm-hmm.
2: Um, yes, so as you mentioned before, Jo, So married to the beautiful Brett, who amazing Brett, beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. I'm a very lucky girl. So we've been together actually 30 years. Next oh, year, wow, that's awesome Party. Yeah, That's
0: so cool.
2: I know. That's amazing. last year we celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary. So that's even that's amazing. That's so cool. That is because really. He made me wake.
0: I know. That's like in this day and age, you don't hear that enough.
2: You don't. So I always say I think it's really important, albeit he may yeah. wait that long to get married. But um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, um, we can talk about that later. <laughs> we're happily married. I have two boys. Uh, Mitchell's 16 this year and Lockie will be 12. So Mitch is in Year 10 at Catholic College. Lockie um, is in Grade 6. So my last year of being a primary school mum, which is great. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm local, but I'm really not. So we actually talked about this the other day and someone said they couldn't believe it, but we've been in sale for 14 years this year. Oh, yeah. Um And I feel like I've been here for a long time. So yeah. um Grew up in Central Victoria. I grew up in the country. I only moved down to go to Melbourne um, to go to university, and yep. was really fortunate enough to meet Brett. But yeah, definitely a country girl, born and bred. So it's no surprise that I've come back to a country and rural location, uh, particularly to raise children. Um, I definitely have my own business in sale, which I've had for almost eight years this year, which has also oh, gone really wow. quickly. Um, called Gippsland Mortgage Solutions, um, which is obviously a mortgage-broking business. So you're pretty much
0: the person we come and see when we need cash, yes? When you want
2: money. And I'll tell you you a really funny story, actually. Um, When I first started the business and I was in the original office and Lockie was really little, um, people, you know, would ask him what his mum did. And he'd say, "Uh, you know, my mum gives people money so that they can actually buy houses. And I remember him coming into the office one day. And he's Lockie and he's running around the office, and he's looking under things, and he's opening cupboards. And I'm like, Lock, what are you doing? I'm like, Mum, I'm looking for the money.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, boy. That's so good. That,
2: that tells you how literal children think. So he gives yeah. the stash of money, and she literally yep. gives it. Just hands
0: it out.
2: <laughs> I love that. It doesn't necessarily work that way. Yes, what we do we obviously help people get home loans. So um, whether you're buying your first house or second house or you're contracting through a builder or at the moment, obviously looking at refinance because you Mm. might be paying too high a rate, Um, We obviously help you to make sure that you find a loan that best suits your needs. And it's not just about finding a loan that suits your needs now. It's about what your financial goals are for the future. So that's what we do. We help a lot of people within our local community and broader community. Um, And I think we play a really important role in doing that because it can be a stressful time. Um, Having a home loan is one of the biggest debts that you obviously have. Um, So it's really important that you seek and get the information that you need. So that's what I do um, for work, as you guys know. And um, I originally got into banking when we first moved here. So my background was never in banking and finance. I was always in um, business leadership, HR training, um, very much that, that people side. And then when we decided to relocate here, um, I actually got a phone call from a recruiter that I used to deal with um, in my HR role in Melbourne and um, said, how would you feel about applying for a bank manager role? And I thought they were crazy. Um, Here we are. <laughs> well, so, you at, so you
0: went. So you were like HR for a company in Melbourne?
2: Yeah. So I and then to came,
0: say- to, uh, came to manage a bank before you got into mortgage broking?
2: Yeah, oh, so wow. I started at Westpac as a bank manager. So my background, I um, I worked in the fashion industry for a really long time in business leadership. Wow. Yeah, and then... That's so um, cool. Yes. <laughs> And then um in strategic management and leadership. And then wow. um after I had Mitchell, I went back into a national training um and HR role with Suzanne. So mm-hmm. I looked after Australia and New Zealand because I had New Zealand stores there from a training and HR perspective. So that was all the in-house training. Um I looked after all the recruitment, the onboarding, performance management, remuneration, all of those things. And look, it was just that Brett and I really decided um. And it was really weird. Like I was driving on the Monash every day. Um, we were living at Narry Warren back then, with the Brett's family in Cranbourne, and I was driving on the Monash every day. And didn't matter what time you got on the Monash in the morning, it could take you an hour, an hour and a half, two hours to get to work. And I was also travelling a lot um, and going to the airport. And literally, I remember a day that I came home and when we built our first house in Narry Warren, there was literally paddocks behind us. So it wasn't that dissimilar to... Um, sales so you build a yeah. house for ages and within a few you know a few years it was all built up and I never forget coming home one day and Mitchell was one and I got a letter in the mail about which school he needed to go to at the very same time that we found out they were putting speed humps in our street yeah. and I'm like okay. joking my street yeah. I'm that busy that they're actually putting speed humps in our street um, and I just, yeah, Brett and I started talking about where do we want to put our children to school? Mm. Streets getting busy. I'm sick of being on the Monash all the time. Really want to raise our children in a more country location. So that's what brought us to this area. So, wow. so he
0: was from that Cranbourne, Narry area.
2: Yeah, Brett was um, born and bred in Cranbourne, Narry area. <laughs> I moved down to go to university and originally was um, living in Oakley and then we got together and eventually I moved out his way and then moved in with him and his family to save money to build our first house. Yeah. Build our first house and got married there and then, yeah, had Mitchell Mm -hmm. and it was kind of that what do we we really want to do and where do we want to be? And it was a really big move for us because we moved Mm -hmm. away from friends and at that time family. Um, And at that time my parents were still in central Victoria, which is Mm -hmm. five Hours away, but they've now both moved to sale. And sadly, um, Brett's dad has passed away, but his mum has moved. So we've
1: got family yeah. here yeah, and they've God. followed us to sale. I love that part of your story because, like, yeah, I, I remember to Brett and because Brett's mum comes into the school as well, still. And I'm like, wow, that's so cool that because sometimes when you take that risk of moving away, it is a risk because your safety net's going and your support network's going, you're resetting, but it, it Like it was that sliding doors moment, like imagine if you didn't.
2: I know. And we're so lucky because we have both, you know, Nana and Granny and, yeah, really helped. You are a busy working mum and busy working family. But, yeah, uh, yeah, so we both basically moved away and then had to start our careers again. Um, Mm.
0: So was he teaching back then?
2: No. So Brett wasn't teaching. He was actually an operations manager. And then when we... Yeah, an operations manager, and then when we moved here, he actually started out at the prison. I'm not sure if you remember that, Corey, and he actually the young, he took the young offenders program. Oh, right. Yeah, and then I ironically worked at the prison for six months and I took some training out there, so I taught um, business management and vocational education to the prisoners. You must have done
0: so much. Holy hell. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> so you would be great at that too. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm going to be really honest to say I absolutely loved it. I loved every minute of it. Um wow. But at the time um, we just relocated and we were looking at having another bub and it was a bit difficult and I'm happy to say Lockie was IVF so we needed to save some money and all that kind of jazz. So yeah, the opportunity presented and obviously, you know, being in business and leadership is obviously my background. And when the opportunity came up to apply for the bank manager at Westpac, um, it just fitted perfectly. Um, and then I got that position and I worked as the bank manager and then we were lucky enough to fall pregnant with Lockie. And after having Lockie, um, uh, that's when Brett actually found out that he was accepted in to do his postgraduate. Wow. Interview. So then I negotiated to go back um, into the lending role um so that Brett could go to uni and I could go back to work earlier because I'd taken 12 months off and then the rest is history that's when I first started lending and now I've got my own business that's
0: crazy um, what made you want to go so you're in the bank you're doing lending um yeah. so you, you they were just doing like OJT like on-job training um for those because you were out of HR and then into banking I'm guessing yeah. there was a bit of a learning curve there
2: Yeah, massive learning curve. And it was sort of funny. I remember getting the phone call saying, you know, there's this um, Westpac are looking for bank managers. There's one in your area. Um, I know that you've left Suzanne and I worked with a lot of recruiters over time, recruiting for lots of different positions, both at head office in, in key leadership roles and store positions. And it was like, are you joking? I've never been in banking and finance. But at the time they were looking for people that had had strategic leadership and strong people management and profit and loss responsibility and strong financial yeah. Um, And they were going through change and, they, were, you know, a lot of, I shouldn't say institutionalised, but a lot of people that had been employed at the bank for a really long time. And obviously, change leadership isn't easy for everyone to be yeah. able to. So, they were looking for people with a particular skill set. So, I'll be honest to say I've never gone through quite such a um, a long recruitment process. I, I remember saying to the state manager in the final um, interview, do you want to know what colour underwear I wear? Because <laughs>
1: possibly <laughs> nothing
2: that you don't know about me. I remember actually. Wow. I had a phone interview, then I had a one-on-one face interview. Then I had to do a um, psychometric test an aptitude. What? I then had to write a business plan. I then had to do um, another um, group interview. And then I also had to have an interview with the state manager. You're kidding.
1: So Corey didn't have to go through that, that much to get into the RAF.
0: Yeah. <laughs> military, military is similar, if not more drawn out than that.
1: Is it really crazy? So in the end, I was
2: like, "Why am I actually doing this?" But anyway, yeah. I did enjoy it. Um, really lovely people at the local branch in Westpac. Um, I was really lucky to work alongside um, some great girls that really taught me quite quickly. And I think, from my perspective, when you when you want to manage and learn a business, you need to understand it from the inside out. So I really did spend time as a teller. I actually spent time, um, you know, as a customer service manager and then I really learned it from the inside out. But you also have to be mindful that they've got you in that position for a reason. Yeah. Um, you're obviously able to learn and pick up the skills. but And I guess my background and, and my love is always people, the people side of it. So mm-hmm. connecting to customers and connecting to people and building those relationships and um, that's something you're able to do in the branch. But when the opportunity came up to go back to work early to um supporting Brett going back to university and came back to the lending role. I really did enjoy it because mm-hmm. having two children and a husband that was working and staying and and I really just enjoyed that connections with people. And I guess um coming from a training background and and creating connections with people when you're actually writing a loan for someone there's a there's a big part of, of educating them about managing yeah. their finance, what this means, what repayment oh, yeah. <laughs> You know, why things are done a
0: particular yeah. way. Where in the education system is there any kind of financial literacy?
2: No. Well, that's a really good point because I've talked about this a lot and it's something that I've thought about is even with people starting businesses, I get people coming in, oh, I want a loan to start a business. And I'm like, right, mm-hmm. great, talk to me about starting this business. Now I I'm not qualified to give financial advice, but I can have a general chat about things. So Tell me what you know about, you know, the business that you want to start. Have you done a business plan? Do you understand the cost? Do you understand what GST is and what and that people just look at you because mm. they look at it and think, oh, I'm buying myself a job. This looks great. Mm. I think there's demand for this item or demand from what I'm doing, but they don't actually understand everything that's involved in running yeah, a business. That's right.
1: You know, and yeah. whether that's
2: from, you know, having a budget, your marketing understanding having your full business plan who's your competitors how are you going to market what's your differentiation you know what's mm. it going to do? what's your break-even cost what do you need to yes. do to money um yeah. you know from well if you've got an employee what about work cover and tax and you know people look at you but it is quite difficult and we probably mm. don't have those resources Mm. up uh, very well within our community and it would be a great thing to have to actually have that education piece for people that want to start mm. their own business. And I guess I was just really fortunate that I guess I'd managed so many other people's businesses before um, mm. and, and through lending had those connections so I had a fairly good understanding of what was entailed in doing that. Yeah. But a lot
1: of people don't. A hundred percent. I remember. I remember at primary school. I'll defend the education system. This might be the only time I do though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember in grade six, actually, and our teacher. It was like it was math. It was math class, and we all got given. We got given a partner, and we got given two dollars, and we had to repay the two dollars at the end of the term. Week, and we had to create a product and sell it at a market, a little in-classroom market at the end of the month. Yeah. But we had to use that to cover all our costs and create a stall, repay our debt, and then make money off it if we were smart enough. And I remember this one group, the two little partners, they made... He just didn't think about profit margin to me because, I don't know, like that's just the way I thought as a kid. That's the way my dad raised me. So they literally covered their costs and that's it. And me, I'm like a bag of popcorn costs a dollar. Brown paper bags cost another dollar. I'm making money. (laughs) 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 And it was like it was really learning. Like it was the most baseline of, you know, what your costs are, what your profits are. But you're right. Like, you know, you go in with this ideal dream. Small business is hard really hard and to have someone like you in the community to give that reality check to people yeah. potentially you're saving the burn <laughs> but you have to give a reality
2: check to people and the amount of time yeah. and, you know i know i've said to people you know what i you need to go and have a coffee because your kids mm-hmm. are only this age you still got secondary school you've actually got you know whether your kids want to go to a public school or a private school you've got those costs um interest rates aren't going to stay here forever you need to really look at what your costs are going to be in the future and whether you can afford lending. So it's really important right. um, when you're dealing with people one-on-one in loans to give that information. But equally, if people are looking at starting a business, it's important to make sure that they have all the information that they need. Yeah. Mm.
0: I know during the, or during the pandemic you guys got quite busy. Yeah. Are you still as busy or is it starting to taper off?
2: Yeah, no, we are still quite busy and I think for us um, – it just moves in different directions. So obviously um, through the pandemic, we're all aware that to drive the economy and to get people to keep spending, to keep businesses alive, obviously the RBA had continued to drop interest rates. And, and, and as you know, they were the lowest they've been for quite some time. And with lower interest rates, people can borrow more and have the capacity to borrow more. So you, there was a lot more people buying houses during the pandemic and even after the pandemic. Um yeah particularly people that still were employed and, and had income and could do that. Um, obviously now out of the pandemic we're in a situation where we've got um, inflation that's way too high, um, cost of living is too high, petrol prices are too high and obviously interest rates have been going up to try and, and to combat that and to bring inflation down. Now what happened is people's borrowing capacity isn't quite as much is as, as what it was previously. Yeah.
0: Um, those lending rules have tightened as well as the interest rates, they have.
2: I well, basically what happens is we have what's called a servicing buffer. So from an income perspective, um, in the past, it used to be that you had to demonstrate the ability to pay as if the rate was seven and a quarter percent, even when it was low or three percent higher than the actual rate. So if you think about it, if rates got down to let's say just on two percent. Um, 18 months ago, you only had to demonstrate the ability to pay as if your loan was at 5%. And what they do is they build a buffering to ensure that people don't get into hardship. So they they say, well, if the rate was to go up 3% higher than what it is, we know so long as things are the same, you can afford to pay. As yeah. the rate's gone up, and now we're like five to mid-five, five, five yeah. and a half, You've then got to demonstrate the ability to um, lend at 85 or 9%. So, yeah. therefore, you can't borrow as much as what you could previously. Um, so, what we're doing a lot of now for those um, people that are in a position to do so is refinancing because what happened was a lot of people fixed in rates and locked in rates for a period of time at a lower rate, but they're now coming out of those fixed rates or yeah. up. They haven't reviewed their home loan for three, four, five years and their rate's quite high. So rather we're not quite doing as many sales as what we did or builds or construction because also during the pandemic, the government obviously provided lots of stimulus money um, where they gave people money to build, which really drove land and construction. Um, we're doing a lot more refinances. So um, we're still busy. We're just doing a little bit more refinances compared to constructions um, and houses so then, compared to home
0: loans, how are you writing a lot of business loans? Is there a lot of people coming in asking about business
2: loans? Um, not a lot. We get it. Um, I try not to focus as much on business loans. Um, as a broker, when you do business lending, it always has to be referred through to a business banker at a at a bank. Yep. Um, you don't get a lot and then what happens is there's a lot of relationship management. We get a few but we predominantly focus on the home lending. Uh, with probably 95% of what we do. Um yeah. if I really wanted to I could drive the business side of the lending um but I really just try and keep true to what we do really well and that's the that's the um mortgages or the home mortgages basically. Um you, we know it inside out back front. It's helping, you know, mums and dads and and people get into their houses and it's probably what I try and focus on.
0: I just want to come back to, you said you grew up in central Victoria, like as in like north of Melbourne?
2: Yeah, so um, probably it's about an hour from Ballarat, an hour from Bendigo, a a town called Mirabara, and that's where I went to secondary school. But I grew up in a little town called Bialaba, which probably had at most, 100 people. Um, So even much
0: smaller than sale.
2: Much, much (laughs) smaller. I used to have to to go
1: to a dream dream
2: I had to uh, hop on a bus and um, an hour each way, even though Meriburah was only about 35 minutes, but by the time we went around to the towns and picked up all the kids, so um, I took a bus to school every day and a bus home every day. So our little town that I lived in literally had a... a, a pub that's really important, <laughs> a milk <laughs> dairy,
1: and all a waterhole,
2: all the towns, and a post office, and a yep. town hall. Um, yeah, so we had farming a joint sorry,
0: farming community,
2: very much a farming community, so more so crop and sheep and cattle.
1: Okay.
2: Um, so lucerne crop, basically, sheep cattle, not dairy farming. So it was, yeah, it's quite dry out there. Um, yeah a lot of sheep and a lot of cattle so yeah so that's
0: where I grew up on a farm
2: Ah, for a little bit yeah so um there's a really quite a lot of um really big farms in our area and some of them had three or four farmhouses and we um my dad worked for the big farmers up there for a long time and we lived in a farmhouse or one of the many farmhouses um and ironically I'm actually catching up uh, not next weekend. The weekend after, once a year, I catch up with my three girlfriends that I grew up from home. And, oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, one of them actually um, grew up on the same farm as we grew up on the farm across the road, and one her dad owned a farm down a bit further. And we all went to primary school and secondary school together. And in fact, um, I live with one, um, and we went to uni together. And we catch up once every year, which is great. Wow, we grew up together on the farm. Yep. And um, have some great memories. I remember when we used to, you know, they'd shear the sheep, the mums would be in the kitchen, they'd have a roast. Um, the workers would have a roast lunch every day. They'd have slices in the morning.
1: Corey's <laughs> <be> all- Lori. <laughs> like, I'm going to be a sheep. <laughs> but
2: they'd put oh, the, big rails, the big bales of wool together and it was our yeah. job to actually mark them with the stencils uh-huh. and stuff. So they yep. used to grade the wall depending on the quality yep. of the wool. There'd be different stencils and they'd be out there rousing and put them in the bales and us kids would have the job of doing the stencils, which is great. great. But, um, yeah, so a very rural country. Um, primary school, about 30 kids. Well,
1: yeah. <laughs> They're really Perfect. country. Yeah. So,
2: yeah, um, and probably why I was really drawn to having our children grow up in a, in a country location as mm-hmm. well, I think. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for a really close-knit community and the experiences yes. that you get and also the space, you know. Mm. Melbourne now. And and it's funny because the boys would offer, you know, Mitch would say, Well, why why don't we stay in Melbourne, Mum? And we used to drive down when, when Nanny or Jan lived down there. Yeah. And we're close and so I'd say, Well, have a look. Have they got a backyard? Yeah. And Mitch would say, Where are they going to kick the footy, Mum? And I'm yeah. like, You have to go to the park, mate, because you can't yeah. kick the footy in the backyard and you can't play cricket. And he's like, oh, right-o, now I know what we do. It's about the sport, which you know is it part is. of it,
1: but it's not all of it. Yeah. But,
2: yeah, it's quite cute because, yeah. no, there's no backyards anymore in Melbourne,
1: is there? Yeah. Like, no. It's no. quite
2: no. But that's yeah. reality for so yeah. many children that, you know, yeah. you backyard. you look out and there's a fence. Yeah. And if you really mm. want to go and play cricket or kick the footy or play with your mates, you've got to find an oval.
0: So a lot of people starting to live in apartments and whatnot, like if you're in a city. I've never mm-hmm. really understood that. I've always been like, even as a kid, I was like, "What do you do? Like, yeah. Where do you run around?" I know. Must <laughs> <You're not> be <gonna laughs> we're in space. Like
1: that. I know.
2: I know. So, but yeah. So, very much a rural, very country upbringing, which I loved, and I was really fortunate. Um, a really small local country school, so I had um, had great education. I had a really great relationship. Mm-hmm my principal who unfortunately passed away last year from cancer Mm -hmm. Um, but you know a lot of opportunities being in such a small school in such a rural location um, yeah and and one of the ones that I remember most which probably sounds really stupid is I actually can touch type incredibly well Um, and I remember it but but it was back in the day it was great Yes. Um, and we had the old computers and my principal, yes. a man of his time, and he's like, you know what, this is going to be so important for you guys. Um, mm. And we used to every week go in, a, you know, ASA, JKJ and learn, but it's one of the mm. best skills that I've been able to carry with me because I use it for everything, whether it's yeah. university or work or what have you. Um mm. But I remember him being, you know, you need to do this. And I remember being so young and computers were just a thing. But mm. it was great that he had that foresight and we actually learned yeah. type at a little country school in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Here we are. But it was a great skill and it was important. So I just love that emphasis of, of yeah, (laughs) and uh, the other thing that we did every day and I think about it now quite a lot actually as we've got children with all this technology and everything's um, iPhones and Snapchat and Xbox and everything, every morning we played a game of sport before we started learning. So literally the bell would go, we'd go into the classroom First thing we do is go straight out for half an hour and yep. we'd play sport. Yeah. And can I tell you, gee, did it help our learning?
0: Yeah.
1: Mm.
2: All that excess energy, you might, whatever, and then you go into the classroom. And we did that every day. Yep. Every mm. single day, we were outside, burnt some energy first. We played sport for half so an good. hour. So good. No one does that anymore. And, no. you know, Reflecting and looking back, who is a smart guy. My teacher and my principal. Yes.
0: Look, there's some schools and some teachers that still will. uh, Maybe not the whole, maybe not half an hour, but they'll they'll do it. And you can and you can definitely see the benefit of it. And even in kids like coordination, like their ability to catch and throw, and those fine motor skills transfer over to their ability to write. Like you said, their ability to touch type. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: We know. We noticed that coming out of um, lockdown in the art room, kids in the art room, using scissors. And I'm like, what is wrong with these children? Like, And, you know, it was my first time working in primary school, so forgive me. But I was like, I just, for me, I'm like, as a really outdoor kid growing up in Longford, that was my upbringing, being outdoors all the time, like the ability to use a pair of scissors was like, you know, that was just part of your DNA. Now to see kids that struggle With tying knots and stuff like that at age like 10, nine and 10. I'm like, what happened? Yeah, I I, I firmly believe it's that lack of outdoor coordination, outdoor experiences, and all that.
0: Welcome back to the Make Gippsland Great Again podcast. Uh, You're with Corey and Joanne. We've got a very special guest, Kim McMaster, here, uh, the owner of Gippsland Mortgage Solutions in Sale. And uh, we've just been learning about Kim and and how she came to be in Sale uh, with her husband, Brett, and their two kids. Uh, after growing up in central Victoria. So I wanted to ask you this, Kim, Uh, if you went back, if you sort of time travel a little bit back in time when you are 18, you finished high school, what did you, at that time, what did your life look like in the future for you and how different is that to what it is now?
1: This actually makes me laugh
2: because all the way through um, primary school and probably uh, predominantly through secondary school, I thought that I wanted to be a primary school teacher, believe it or not. Get out. I don't think I'm actually married
1: now to a primary
2: school teacher. But I guess I couldn't decide. So I remember doing two lots of work experience. One was as a primary school teacher in the little local school that I actually attended um, and went to primary school. And then I actually did um, work experience for a financial planner. Um, and I always remember oh. sort of popping up between wanting to work in business and wanting to be a teacher. And the irony is that I ended up doing a bit of both. Now, whilst I haven't been a primary school teacher, I've obviously been in training roles um, when I was my yeah. role and my leadership and my coaching and training role. And I've also been in business roles. And um, so I've done a bit of both. But from a teaching perspective, I've obviously landed more in adults rather than kids. Yeah. Um, yes which I'm, I personally am quite happy with because I think <laughs> that's <laughs> the I um, yeah. But, yeah, my, my path was that I was going to be a teacher. And then what ended up happening when I finished year 12, um, I had also done quite a few science subjects as well as business subjects. And I was, you know, it was like, what what path am I going to take? So I ended up doing an arts degree first, believe it or not. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. So, wow. Um, So my first degree was an art, well, my only degree so far, but I'm back studying, but I did an arts degree and I I majored more in sociology. Um, Oh. Yeah, so there you go. um, People in society, obviously, Hmm. you know, quite a big interest. I did a bit of psychology, I did a bit of philosophy, I did a bit of law, like I did quite a few different subjects throughout that and I guess it was just trying to find out exactly yeah. what I to do but in the end I kind of landed on both business and people just not children mm. so
1: um yeah so I love that cuz I remember my work experience in year 10 and I was I was like I want to be a florist <laughs> yeah. clearly I didn't follow that in the pathway <laughs> um but it sort of sounds like you actually were quite tuned into really where you were going yeah. to accurately land but you had a really good idea of who you were and what yeah. you wanted to build yourself into as well
2: yeah. as else so. yeah and um the teaching comes through in everything that you do i guess right. um yeah you know having that um ability to connect with people and engage with people and uh, and communicate on and different people's level and work out what makes people tick and and how you work with that um yeah. So, you know, and, you know, passing on knowledge um, Mm. is really important. Um, So I do that in everything that I do, whether it's a sports Mm. club, whether it's at work, whether it's, you know, no matter what you do. But um, Mm. and then obviously the business side of it is something that I've gone into in my later years. I've always been in business and and managed other people's businesses or been in corporate roles, but this is the Mm. first time that I've had my own business. But, yeah, if in my early days I did see myself being a primary school teacher. So
0: you've obviously scratched both those itches over time. What are do you doing to scratch that teaching itch at the minute?
2: Pretty funny that you say that because yeah. I have just well last year commenced doing my master's degree in business. Yeah. Um, so which just adds a little bit more craziness to our life. <laughs> I'm doing that online. Um, because I feel like um, having my own business for a period of time, um, you just want to upskill your learning. And I and I do have a view in the future to do uh, some more volunteering and some more training and and. I probably won't go into it too much in this, but Brett and I have a bit of an idea for a foundation, a not-for-profit foundation that we're going to look at starting. Um, I'll leave that for him because that's his his idea and it's something that we've been talking a lot about on our holiday Mm. um, that we want to start up. But I will tell you it's about education and investing in education it's about giving back to children that maybe be less fortunate it's got a lot to do with mental health and with learning Mm -hmm. um so i'm hoping that some of my training and background um, it will be working with adults and children. Will come back into play, but that's mm. that's an early days thing, and it's something that you know Brett's really passionate about and wants to look into. So we are going to mm. look into that very soon. Love that! Wow, I love,
1: that. I
0: love your heart for the Watch community. This being like.
1: I love that. Yeah, can I tune into that little statement? I'm segueing. I'm it's taking the right <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I love that because you know you're building business. You moved to sale. You're sewing in, and I think that's what's something I'm just sort of coining in on now. Is that you know your your involvement with the community? to, to me, it sounds like you've got a real heart to invest back in and yeah. build for whether it's the next generation, just for your immediate family, or you're seeing the the of that going. Hang on, we can we our little unit has got something to offer and impact. Yeah. So, yeah. like leading into like your community involvement with with sports, is that sort of all intertwined with that that heart and capacity to serve the community? Yeah.
2: Yeah, it is. And Brett and I've always been involved in sport for a long time. So Brett yeah. um has always been incredibly good at sport. His his first degree was in human human movement sports coaching. Um, you know, he played reserves for St Kilda, he played softball for Victoria. Um, he's you know he's always loved his sport Um, mm. so when I first got together with Brett he was actually starting to coach back then so he coached junior football so we started off at Cranbourne Junior Football Club and I became a team manager and got involved and he coached all the way through and then Um, He started playing senior football at Cranbourne and then I got on the committee there as social coordinator and then I became vice president and I think I did a treasurer role and a secretary role and, and Brett ended up coaching there and then he ended up coaching the under 18s and you know, um, and then obviously we moved to Sale, so that just kept going. So we became part of Cowar Football Club. I don't know how Brett ended up there, but I think he ended up with <laughs> someone who was out there. And um, his playing career was sort of finished, but he went and played a few years there and ended up coaching. And then he coached um, the under 18 flag. It's actually 10 years this year, and Cowar had never won an under 18 flag before. Oh, so wow. their first. Step. Um, and then obviously our boys started playing so I got heavily involved in the juniors and Brett's coached and I've been on the committee for a long time Um, and then uh, cricket was never something Brett played because he always played baseball or softball but Mm. um, our boys started playing cricket and then obviously Brett being at Longford Primary School and created those connections with a lot of the kids there that were playing at Longford Mm. and then lo and behold He's been the president at Longford Cricket Club. And then of course it goes without saying that we just do things together. So whilst I don't have an official role, I do sponsor, like I do, lots of community um sporting groups. And but you know, you will find me in the canteen and will find me doing different things there. But um, I guess just with sport, like. Playing sport is so good for your physical well being, for your mental well being. To be um, part of a team, to be part of a community, it builds resilience because you don't always win. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but it's just being part of something um, where you can actually, um, yeah, create connections—really mm-hmm. meaningful connections—with people in your community. Um, you know, so many good things that can come out of a sporting community and it's great and it's something that we love. Mm. Um, and I guess we just figure if our kids are going to be participating, we're going to be there, whether it's in the canteens, coaching or volunteering. And it is sad these days. It, it is quite difficult to get people to help. But um, mm. for us, it's really important for our, our kids to see that we're putting our hand up and we're volunteering and and Putting your head down and your bum up, and hard work, and giving back, and and taking on these roles, and why it's so important. Yeah, so,
0: yeah. sporting clubs are just such a good connection point in the community. They oh. <laughs> like it brings people together, and and from hard. all walks of life too. Like mm. um, yes. from big business down to you know local tradies, farmers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's been my experience mm. in local sporting. Yeah. Like, it's
2: it is. been great.
0: Such
2: diverse <laughs> people and it gives you a place to go yeah thing to look forward to um you can be mm. busy at home or work you can have things going on in your life but you've got that connection and you've got somewhere to go mm. um you've got teammates and you've got your community and you know at cricket we, we put on a meal on a thursday night and we all mm. eat together mm. um we chat and talk and it's not just about cricket it's not just about winning and losing and mm. having that community yeah. um and I must say, we get to the end of the season, you know, like football and people actually miss it. Oh, we're going to catch up for dinner and when are we going to do things and, mm. um, you know, and, and it was really hard during COVID because a lot of people mm. really connections that they felt in their community groups and became quite isolated. So, um, yeah, we certainly love being part of sporting groups. It's something that we've done for such a long time and, you know, um, Whilst it's a lot of work and a lot goes on behind the scenes, it's you know it's certainly great to be able to give back to people and take on roles.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that serving like what, what you're saying there, like we really want to show that you. And you said we really want to show our kids that example of serving and sewing into the community. Like I love that. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, it can be really hard to get people to take on some of those volunteer roles. Mm-hmm. Um, probably as a society, become very self-centered. Um, yeah. Around what just how things have happened, and I think we'd, that we've got to have a bit of a culture change in that. Like, how can I serve uh, in my community? How can I give back? How can I <laughs> a way to to sow into other lives? Um, mm. And whether it's like you said, like the coaching, like coaching's massive for for young, particularly young boys. I know. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't, I haven't been involved in female sport a lot, so I'm. But I'm guessing it would still have a big impact but that coaching for for young boys to have a male role model uh yeah, in, that, again, sure. in those areas can they that some often they are like the only positive male role model that they might have in mm. that
1: model, mm. for different reasons, it's mm-hmm. so true to
2: have that role model to have a mentor um it's it's really important and it is for for both boys and girls um mm. sometimes they don't have that at home yeah. so mm it's really important for the children to have that so you're right
1: yeah
0: and i think and i think like serving and giving giving is so oh. underrated in our society yes. so underrated yeah. like you you go oh that's hard work but you when you do it and you, when your heart's like hey i get to do this
1: yeah, yeah.
0: And it change, everything flips on you it totally yeah. flips. and I, more often than not when you do those things you get paid back 10 times yeah, like whether it's whether it's the endorphins, whether you see you see a kid start to be able to kick the footy, whether you know whether it's a, a chat with someone, I don't know. There's just like a whole range of positive outcomes that occur. Yeah, when you go, hey, I'm going to serve this. I'm just, yeah. gonna, I'm just going to dig in. I'm going to give of myself without yeah for what I'm going to get out of it.
1: Mm. When you touched on Kim before, like with the mental health aspect of it, like. I know like obviously I work in the mental health area and I, one thing I sometimes touch on with the people I work with and particularly I working with kids is who are you giving back to yeah. because it can be that, um, that point of actually if I can look beyond myself, I can actually begin to heal because I've got purpose. Yeah. And I, I really commend you guys for like raising your kids like that demonstrating that in our in our community as well because that sense of purpose is intertwined with giving and serving and and there's a bigger picture than just my immediate needs that mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that that solves mental health I'm never going to discredit that however I know like for you guys you've invited me into the cricket club to speak on mental health and that and mm-hmm. I, I just I love that because it may it crushes that taboo subject but it also goes we're actually working with you guys where we want to give as much as we can to support and care and nurture the next generation the wider community the older generation whatever it is but that yeah. whole asset of serving is just such a breaking point for purpose and creating stronger identity within a little individual as well a hundred
2: percent a hundred percent it's like I talk about to the boys all the time yeah like service serving your community and giving back. Yeah you know, everyone's got different skill sets and different things that we can bring to the table and work together right. and support each other, Um yeah. you know, and how important it is for them as children to be able to mm. do that going into to becoming adults. So, mm. um you know, it's a hard lesson for them to learn, but it's something that they're, you know, they get to see us do it every day, which is really yeah. important. Um, and, and I'm sure that they'll continue the legacy that we have, like we have with our parents. I know Brett's parents were life members, Of um, Mm. non-district junior football club and the Cranbourne Football Club in in volunteering roles, and we've kind of followed in their legacy, and hopefully our children follow in ours to to follow giving back and serving the community in which you're in. So, um, and it's and it's not just as business owners like myself in sponsoring and giving money. It's about being active. It's about right. About giving
0: time.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. About volunteering.
0: that, That. Giving of your time and giving of yourself in that way, being present, yeah. can often be a, a much greater sacrifice and have a much greater outcome than just absolutely. Like, On dreams, <laughs> that Look, cash makes the world go round. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> <laughs> it does. But like you said, like that that pre- being present, man. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I just carry. And it like obviously,
2: in. we all know, you know, um, financially, local community groups and clubs need money <clears> to be. <throat> survive and and that's important but yeah the volunteering and giving it of your time and um is is so important so So good good. love it thank
0: you so much for your time Kim we're going to wrap it up there just uh, appreciate uh you setting aside this time tonight and uh and getting on with us yeah it's been fantastic love love what you've got to say and, and love that journey that you've been on to to get to where you are now and and it's and yet it's only just the start of another chapter. Like. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah. Oh. The really cool. And yeah. And we'd love to hear more about that in the future. So yeah, mm. thank, thanks so much. Thanks, Joe.
1: Thanks, Corey.
0: Thank thanks, Kim. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and we'll see you guys next time on the Make Your seen Grady M podcast. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to Make Gippsland Great Again. You can find more great podcast content on all your good podcast providers, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. You'll also find us on TikTok at Sale Community Connect and...
1: and Instagram.
0: See you around, Gippsland.